um, scripture today. And I'm, I'm hoping to, um, to really inspire you with uh, something that God is uh, stirring in my heart for quite a while. Um, and I want to share it with you. So um, we're going to start with 2 Peter chapter 1. Second uh, Peter chapter 1, verse 1 to 4. Verse 1. This letter is from Simon Peter, a slave and apostle of Jesus Christ. I'm writing to you who share the same precious faith we have. This faith was given to you because of the justice and fairness of Jesus Christ, our God and Savior. May God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow into the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. By His divine power, verse 3, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Okay, so just say with me this morning, everything we need. Okay, just uh, look to the person next to you and say to them, I've got everything I need. <laughs> okay, some of you just say it as if you believe it, please. <laughs> You've got everything that you need by His divine power for living a godly life. Is that not precious? Okay, some of you need to be awake this morning because I'm, I'm really trusting God to uh, stir in your heart. We have received all of this by coming to you to know Him, the one who called us to Himself by means of His marvelous glory and excellence. And because, verse 4, of His glory and excellence, He has given us great and precious promises. Okay, look to the person next to you and say, God has given me great and precious promises. And say it as if you believe it. These are the promises that enable you to share His divine nature and escape the world's corruption and caused by human desires. This is beautiful. Uh -huh. uh, these scriptures are just inspiring me because there's no excuse from our side to, uh, to not have a life of godliness. Is, it, is that not true? There's uh, something special that God is saying to us. That He has provided for us and He's still providing to us today um, so that we can live godly lives uh, in every sphere of life, in everything we do. Second Peter 1 verse 5 then um, says, in view of all this, okay, so with that confidence, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Okay, how do we respond? Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence. And moral excellence with knowledge. So, I want to just uh, read it out of um, a, a version um, of the Bible that um, you guys probably don't know. But it, it was for me so evident and beautiful how um, they use this word, uh, super ad. And I, I want to just uh, share it with you. Second Peter 1 verse 5, the same verse. And this same also, all diligence having brought in besides... Super add in your faith the worthiness and in the worthiness the knowledge. I want to talk about that super, super add. What does it mean? The word super add. I don't know if you've used that word before. Um, super add to uh, super cool. This is super excellent. Chrissy, you are on fire this morning. <laughs> super add. Um, 
so I've looked up what that word means and that um, it means uh, the definition of that is uh, let me just read it rather to add especially in a way that compounds an effect um, to add especially in a way that compounds an effect um, so let's just go on to uh, verse 5 to 7. For this very reason, make every effort to, to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control. This is in the ESV version. And self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. And I want to talk a little bit about this this morning because you know what? Um, the beauty of it is that this verse talks about God has given us everything. Now, I'm going to just put this um, mic and just um, try to, uh, to show you something that might stick um, in your heart about His goodness. So, um, if I understand this uh, verse correctly, it means that our glass is quite full in His uh, provision to us. That's not true. But um, he's talking about an addition, a place where you and I must make a decision to, uh, we cannot add anything to God's goodness and His greatness. One thing that we can do is you and I can make a decision to, uh, to be faithful in that which He gives us. And I can see you are very focused on this glass and how it's going to, uh, to go from here onwards. And there's a place that God wants to bring us that it will. Okay. This is what super ads means to each one of us. Is God has given us more than enough. The part that He wants us to do is the faithfulness part where every drop that um, gets added gets overflowed so that people around us can experience the blessing of the overflow. And the strange thing is that we sometimes forget the power of God within our lives. The fullness that He wants to bring to us. When He speaks about the Scripture, He's actually leading us to a place where He's saying, um, I've done my bit. There's more than enough provision. And the glass is full. Are you going to add that little bit so that I can do supernatural things through you? That I can bless the people around you? That I can actually become the blessing in people's lives that you portray? Are you with me this morning? And this is the place that Second Peter um, 1 verse 5 um, you know, comes to. A place of super adding. That place of supernatural endowment where our glass starts to overflow because of God's goodness in our lives. And, um, and this speaks of brotherly affection, brotherly love, bro um, the mercy of God. And it speaks of a, a word called kindness. A place where you and I can, um, can, can, can be kind to one another. And this is the expectation that God has for each one of us. What, what makes us different than the world out there? You know, a place of kindness where the world can see that God is in us. Romans 12 verse 10. Love one another with brotherly affection. I like this word. This is also not one that you usually use. Outdo one another in showing honor. Outdo one another in showing honor. 
Romans 12 is 10 in the message version. Just listen to this. I, I actually uh, these days appreciate the, the message version. I don't normally read the message, but it's, it's beautiful just to see sometimes um, what it brings to the table. Be good friends who love deeply. Practice playing second fiddle. Practice playing second fiddle. Are you willing to um, let others shine and you play second um, fiddle? Uh, the Barclay translate um, this. Um, it says you must lead the way in honoring each other. Um, Ephesians 4 verse 32. Listen to this one. Be kind to one another. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. So what does this word kind mean? In the, in the Strongs it says, to furnish what is needed. Give an oracle, explain, touch slightly, light up. Um, this speaks of a, a in, enlightenment of, you know, where you and I even study one another, where we search in one another's lives for places where we can do good to one another, where we study even the things that is important to other people and not just to ourselves in such a way where they can be blessed. You know, I, uh, in my life, um, I'm so blessed, you know, I've got a wife that always look at the detail, you know, she... Uh, she came back from South Africa and each one of us had our specific um, present that is uh, so applicable to our personalities. You know, I got my, my uh, uh, barbecue salt. Okay, my wife knows I love barbecue. And, um, but but there's, there's certain things that she does in the middle of the night when we sleep uh, where, that we sometimes even take for granted. But the next morning when you w- wake up, you see that um, the socks are already on the table, ready for you to put it on. Your um, clothes are... It's beyond what is necessary for her to do for herself. She always serves her family. And it's strange how a mother's instinct is to always serve her family in a way that she portrays love in a very personal way. And, 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 and this word is, is one way... You know, I remember when um, I just got to London, Chrissy, for instance, um, immediately found out that I love meat. Okay, I'm a true South African. <laughs> so when I went for that first um, uh, um, small group meeting there at her house, I got a steak like this. It was just amazing. Um, the best steak that I've eaten in, um, in London this far. <laughs> and, uh, you know, p- places where people actually bless you in a very personal way. And this word is the one where, you know, we start to actually think beyond ourselves and our own needs to a place where you start to examine what is important to another person and you start to bestow that upon them and and, and go through a lot of effort and sacrifice to actually be gentle and kind and bless to them. And this portrayed the heartbeat of God toward that person so that they can experience the love of God around her or him. And um, David was such a person having uh, mighty men around him. 2 Samuel 23, verse 13 to 17. Listen to this. This is uh, extraordinary stuff. Um, 
And three of the thirty chief men went down and came about harvest time to David at the cave of Adullam, when a band of Philistines was encamped in the valley of Rephaim. David was then in the stronghold, and the garrison of the Philistines was then at Bethlehem. And David said longingly, Oh, that someone would give me water to drink from the well of Bethlehem, that is, uh, by the gate. Then the three mighty men broke through the camp of the Philistines and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and carried and brought it to David. But he would not drink of it. He poured it out to the Lord and said, Far be it from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Shall I drink the blood of the men who went at risk for their lives? Therefore he would not drink it. These things, the three mighty men did. Such a beautiful picture of the mighty men of David. David sitting, and probably not you know, with any expectation to, uh, to have water, um, but just talking aloud about his needs. And the next moment, these three men went to, into the enemy's camp and go and fetch him water. And did it cost them to bless David? Okay, are you awake this morning? <laughs> so my point is that when we start to be kind and blessed to one another, it will be sacrificial. It will cost you something. And the risk is for you to, even within that um, uh, kindness, you know, not always receive back what you put in. Is that not the truth? <laughs> but... The heartbeat of God, when it comes to kindness, is the one where we do it over and beyond any expectation to, uh, to get um, back. Is it worth it? Ephesians 4 verse 32. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Um, now, I, I do realize in the church many times, because of our expectation for people to be kind and to be... I mean, this is the most amazing, perfect family that you've ever seen, eh? Okay, I see at least some are smiling. <laughs> it's not perfect. And it's strange how, you know, in the workplace, when somebody does anything wrong toward us, we don't even mind. Or it might, you know, upset us, but tomorrow is another day. Okay, we can sort it out at home. But when people in the household of faith, you know, is not kind to us, and they do uh, wrong against us, then it's not that nice. It's actually very difficult. It's very difficult to, uh, to put that behind us and to walk on. But um, Ephesians 32, uh, 4 verse 32, speaks of tenderheartedness and forgiving one another as Christ forgave you. And um, I want to say to you, you know, um, it is difficult, even in the, in the household of faith, to come to a place of forgiving people and, um, and being tender-hearted toward them for their response toward us. Luke 22, verse 40, 47. Listen to this. While he was still speaking, there came a crowd, and the man called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. This is the ultimate. This is now relationships that is very close. Jesus walking a road with 12 disciples and one of them called Judas. Um, 
has been so um, blessed by um, the ministry of Jesus. He's seen everything. And yet, here's something that happens that is um, so difficult. He drew near to Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? And when those who were around him saw that what uh, would follow, they said, Lord, shall we strike with a sword? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. But Jesus said, no more of this. And he touched his ear and healed him. And, uh, you know, the beauty of kindness, of love, of brotherly love, is the fact that, um, that Jesus comes to a place where the natural reaction would actually be to, uh, to start to fight, <laughs> to come against. And that is so natural. And uh, I don't know about you, but, um, you know, for me, um, I've seen in my own life, the first thing that I, I've dealt now the last few weeks with um, estate agents again, and it's... Uh, I must just bless my heart to, uh, you know, not um, get discouraged in humankind. Um, and it's, it's, it's strange how, um, you know, uh, you always get to a place of, of needing to, to not have the natural reaction of wanting to fight. To fight a common enemy or fight, you know, something that comes against you and wrong against you and do something against you. And, um, and I want to say to you, at work, there's, um, there's places where you find yourself in, where the people that you trusted the most, and the people that you thought were on your side, expose you, makes life difficult for you, um, comes against you, and the first response would be to, uh, to start to fight, to come against And yet, that's what the Bible challenges us with, the place of forgiveness, the place of of um, giving up our rights that we so easily fight for in the society that we are in. Because Jesus says, no more of this. The first response of the disciples was, listen, let's just uh, take um, this into our own hands and let's sort this thing quickly so that we can get Jesus back on track again, you know, to, uh, to be the savior of Israel. And yet in the midst of this, Jesus has another idea about how his kingdom should look like. And I want to challenge you with that because I can tell you that us as Christians are failing in our responsibility to show kindness to the world. We are the biggest fighters of rights. We are the ones that actually when it comes to lawsuits, you know, it was um, amazing. Uh, Me and Milani went through quite a process now with um, the estate agents and then and at the end you know I was fighting over the telephone with them but that's not what you said and you know I realized and at a point I just felt the Holy Spirit said to me listen show kindness even though it's going to cost you even though you know that you are right and you can probably go to court for this show kindness and it's amazing that that moment of kindness actually saved our our whole walk with God in this process because when I walked into um, the estate agent's um, office yesterday to go and pay our deposit to get our house sorted, um, the first thing that they said, you know, this lady is so privileged to have you guys in their house, such lovely Christian people. 
And I didn't even ever say it to them. Or, but somewhere they picked it up that we are Christians. But I can tell you, we are so afraid that people might know that we are Christians. Because that will keep us bound to the laws of the word of God. Is it not so? I'd rather keep that um, bumper sticker, that uh, little fish off my um, car as far as possible so that nobody knows that I'm the, the reckless driver that um, almost kills people on the road. <laughs> Are you with me this morning? Or is, again, the pastor, that's so wrong. <laughs> Guys, we as Christians are the first to come into a fight mode for standing on our rights and, and we forget that actually what God wants is for us to show the love to the world in kindness. And yes, it's to the, to the household of faith first, but that's not where it stops. Um, it, uh, it goes well beyond Luke 6 verse 27. But I say to you, who here, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Jesus brought something different to the table. Um, it, uh, enemies is someone in opposition to you. People that want to take advantage of you for their own benefit. And yet the word of God says, do good. Are you with me this morning? Um, are there any exceptions? And, and, and I want to just say to you, Galatians 6 verse 9. And Galatians 6 is, is beautiful in this regard. Um, it, it, it speaks of generosity, of blessings. Um, and in verse 9 it says, And let us not grow weary of doing good. I just felt this morning, you know, as we were worshipping, there's somebody here that, uh, you know, it's almost as if you've used a saw to um, go through this big lump of wood. And um, it's as if you're stuck in the middle <laughs> In doing good, in uh, trusting God, it's, it's as if you want to give up. It's as if that saw is not going anymore. It, it's stuck in there. God says, don't give up doing good. You're going to get through it. You're going to, uh, to see the breakthrough. And, um, and uh, so verse 10 says, so then... As we have opportunity, let us do good to... Okay. Are you still reading with me? Uh, I want you to, uh, to believe the word and not me, okay? It says to... Okay. Thanks, Nigel. You are saving the day. And especially to those who are of the household of faith. So, um, we must look for opportunities. You are walking in your workplace. You are... This morning already you've encountered so many people around you on the bus, on the, and there's opportunities to lash out against that guy that's standing on the platform and uh, the train is late, you're not on time, you're late for church, maybe I should say that again. Um, <laughs> okay, no condemnation. I can see some of you just fall in your... That train comes late. And what, what happens? You're the first one to lash up against that um, guy on the platform that's just doing his job and trying to get the trains going so that everyone can get to their destinations. It's strange how we've become so self-righteous in society today that we will, 
we don't think about that person that also got up this morning. He didn't order uh, a bad day. <laughs> he didn't ask for the time to be, um, you know, postponed on that train. But you know what? We are so self-righteous. In we've got rights. We know where we're going. We know what it should look like. And yet, the Bible says, "Listen, that's a person that you are working with, and I want you to show kindness." Because I love that person. There's a person sitting next to you right now. And that is a person that God loves dearly. You know Jesus didn't do miracles and great awesome stuff. Because he wanted to go into a power struggle. And show the world how mighty he was. The Bible says he did it out of compassion. He, he stood over Jerusalem and he said Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Like a, a, a hen gathering her chicks. And he cried over Jerusalem. And I want to say to you, you know, we for sometimes forget why we have people around us. What is God doing in and through our lives to bless people so that that cup can start to overflow and be a blessing to others? What if God can, can more than just a drop Put a bucket full of water in your cup so that you can just bless people around you and circumstances around you. That's what God wants to do. That's what God wants to um, do to people around you. And, um, and then uh, we say, um, does that mean that you know, we must hand 10 pounds to everyone with a sign standing on the corner? Um, is that the kind of goodness that God is asking of us? And I want to say to you, No. That's not what God is expecting of you. God will lead you to places where you are assigned to to be a blessing to people around you. And sometimes, yes, it is the person on the corner. Um, but we can't be the savior of the whole world. But we can touch the people that God has assigned us to uh, to do good works. To, uh, to bless. To change their lives. And, um, and even if it just is to, uh, to, to pray for them, to, uh, to trust God for breakthrough on their behalf. Um, but there's never a place where Christ is expecting us to be cruel to people. Let this be a lesson to us in the society that we are in. There's a lot of cruelty going around toward us, but also in response from us because of how we've been treated. And Christ says, listen, if there's anyone that was... Uh, treated hostile on this earth, it was me. I came to save you, I came to bless you, I came to bring you the truth and the love that, that is needed to this world, and yet, you didn't accept me. You, um, you made me an outcast of society. But I forgave you, because you didn't know what you've done. And I want to say to you, God wants to do um, blessings 24 times in the New Testament, we are instructed um, to do good. And so, um, the Bible instructs us to be full-time do-gooders. Can you uh, just say to the person next to you, I'm a full-time do-gooder, please. Because some of you need it, um, and you need to believe it. When I go to work, I am employed by heaven as a good do-gooder. Is that all right? Um, uh, you are expected to do your job 
surely, um, if you work at uh, where NHS, then uh, you must do your job. That's very important because people's lives are at stake. Um, and that's expected. That's a responsibility upon you. But um, over and above that, we must constantly look to be kind. Just doing your job and to be good and excellent in the job that God has given you is not good enough. <laughs> the place that uh, Christ is bringing us to is a place where you and I enter into a kindness that will portray the heartbeat of God. Acts 10 verse 38. How, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. And if you can this morning just know that there's no reason and there's no excuse not to do good because you are empowered by God. Because your cup is overflowing because of him in you. And if not, it's time to get in very quickly. Because if it's not overflowing, you're not going to be a blessing to people around you. And um, Matthew 5, verse 44. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for, um, for those who spitefully use you and uh, persecute you. Second Peter 1, verse 7 again. I want to say that again. And godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. Um, is there any exceptions on this? And I, I want to say to you, the only exception that I can find in, in the Word of God... You know, in, um, in, in, and that doesn't mean that we can um, not do good, is the one where uh, a person becomes divisive um, and uh, is not, and then it, the Bible does not expect of us even to be cruel to them, but to avoid them if necessary, if that's going to mean that um, it's going to bring division in the body. But for all, God is expecting us to do good, to love, to be affectionate, to be diligent in looking out for their um, 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 best interest. So, there's a high cost of being offended. Mark 2, verse 1 to 2. And when he returned to Capernaum, after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together, so that there was no more room not even at the door. He was preaching the word to them. There was a packed house. Jesus was preaching. And, um, and if I say packed, it means that there was people standing on the outside uh, that couldn't come in. Um, and we read the same story in Luke chapter 5. Listen to this account. It says, Now it happened on this certain day, as he was teaching, that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord, listen to this, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. You know, there, there was a, this, this amazing atmosphere of people receiving healing. There was an expectation for things to happen. There was a full house. Now, the towns that... They are speaking about, you know, Capernaum, for instance, is 90 miles from this destination uh, of Jerusalem. 
And, um, you know, so, so it means that they've, they've walked far to get here. They've, they've gone through a lot of effort to, to get to hear Jesus speaking. And then in the midst of this, they are sitting in expectation for something to happen. And, um, and then uh, listen to the next. Mark chapter 2, verse 3 to, uh, to 4. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic um, who was um, carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. So what measure uh, are they using to super add? There's a, these friends of this man, you know, selflessly come and bring this man because they know and they've got an expectation for Jesus to bring healing in his life. Verse 5. When Jesus saw their faith for their friend, for the person that they could show kindness to, for the person in which they had to make a choice, and I want to say to you this morning, you have a choice how you want to deal with your cup. Because if Christ says that he is, your cup is full, you must just take it and drink it and, and, and act upon it. It means that it's already to your uh, disposal. You must just embrace it and make it your own. But, 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 but here's a place where these guys has put a certain measure of faith within even trusting not for themselves. This was not an act so that they could, you know, stand on the roof and, you know, have a Facebook moment where everyone can take a picture and show to the world, oh, how nice they were toward their friend. No such thing. They come to the place where they say, listen, we want to stand in faith because this man, Jesus, can bring healing to our friend. And this is the place where their cup starts to overflow. Because Jesus says to them, um, Son, your sins are forgiven you. Uh, verse 10 of Mark uh, 2. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. Big splash. Big, big, big amazing things. These guys are dancing. They are amazed about what is happening um, with their friend. But listen, let's just get back to... Um, to the scriptures that I've left out. Luke chapter 5 verse 17. Now it happened on this certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea and Jerusalem and the power of the Lord was present to, to heal them. The same word in Luke as well. Listen to, um, to this one. It says, um, uh, and maybe I should just mention that it says here, present to heal. Okay, some of you must see this. Some of you must see this. Okay, can just somebody just say it? And the power of the Lord was present to heal. Then, how many people got healed? 
one person. Because it says that in the midst of all of this, was the presence of God there so that people could get healed? Amen. Lots of amazing things can happen. Lots of, of great things can happen when we allow God to, uh, to drop into um, our little glass and, uh, and make things to ripple and to, uh, to become a big splash. But listen to the Pharisees and, um, and um, lawgivers at that time. Mark chapter 2 verse 5 to 7 then. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to them, paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts. Why does this man speak like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? In the midst of this, it's, yes, Jesus, good teaching, good healing, but there's uh, just something that we uh, must mention that is um, wrong here. Um, and you know, this is where the miracles stop. Because Jesus cannot reach people that are offended in their hearts because he's not meeting them where they are at. Jesus cannot meet people that does not have the expectation to be healed. Jesus cannot meet people, you know, that are at a place where they are so offended that he's coming through for some and always just looking for excuses why it's not happening to them. And so... Um, uh, uh, it says that they questioned in their hearts. For um, John 5, verse 1 to 3, and I'm, I'm getting there. Stand strong with me. Um, it says here in, in John 5, this is a different account, and I want to prove the same thing. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In verse 1 of chapter 5 of John. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool in Aramaic, called Bethesda, which has five roof colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. So there's this amazing pool where the angel will come once a day, um, and whosoever can be first will receive healing. So there's a lot of people lying around this pool with expectations. Do you agree with me? But two things must be mentioned. The first one is that it happens only at a certain time of the day. And secondly, only to those who can get there first. The first person to jump into the pool, that person will receive his healing. This guy is lying next to the pool. And, um, you know, at the place of kindness, the place where... A lot of amazing things are happening. And yet, still, he cannot access the healing that is about to take place. Because nobody is showing the kindness to at least just roll him into, uh, into that pool so that he can receive his healing. Are you with me? God wants to use you to bring healing in other people's lives by showing kindness to them. Stop being so overwhelmed by your own pressures and your own life's calling and the, all the things that God has done in your life and you forget that kindness means that you must open your eyes to see the people around you and what God wants to do in their lives. Are you with me this morning? And this is the only reason why this guy is not getting into the pool. 
Because for those who are hurt, surely you're not going to help him if you can get into the pool before him. So you rather let him lie there so that you can um, get into the pool. Are you with me this morning? But we are all like that. We are all broken people. And sometimes, you know, we just struggle to get ahead of the rest around us rather than to realize that the gospel is one of kindness. It's one to, to know that it's over and above ourselves to a place where God can use us um, for a big splash, for a big thing to happen. John 5, verse 5 to 7 then. One man was there um, uh, who had been invalid... Uh, invalid for 38 years when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time he said to him do you want to be healed the sick man answered him sir I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up and while I'm going another uh, another steps down before me Um, verse 8 it says Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and uh, he took up his bed and walked. Now the day, that day was the Sabbath. Now I want you to have this picture in your mind. This man is lying next to the pool. Um, great things are busy happening. Um, you know, because everyone has an expectation to jump into the pool. And, um, and yet Jesus comes along. The next moment, uh, Jesus makes it possible for this man not to be in the pool to receive healing. But actually, to forgive his sins over and above what the angel could deliver to him. Now, does this mean that, you know, this is the end of the story and, uh, you know, people just start to... Uh, to get excited around the pool and they get, uh, you know, uh, healed and nobody's getting into the pool anymore. The focus is not the pool anymore because Jesus is here. Does this mean that, you know, um, the whole atmosphere around Bethesda is now changed because, because Jesus is here. You don't need to wait and only be one at a time getting into the pool. Does this mean that, you know, because Jesus is in the place, everyone is... Um, you know, lining up and, and getting themselves ready to receive from Jesus. And uh, the pool of Bethesda is now becoming a skating rink for um, the kids in the, in the area. <laughs> no, we don't read that in the Bible. Actually, nothing is changing. Because the angel is still coming once a day. People are still lying around. And only one guy got healed that day. Listen to this. In um, John chapter 5 verse 9 then. It says, And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. Now that um, that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath, and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. (laughs) This this feels like a never-ending story and theme in the Bible. (laughs) It feels like... You know, as if every time that Jesus, you know, is doing good, is starting to show generosity and and blessings to people around him, there's some that always will find a reason why Jesus is not supposed to do this. (laughs) 
and why other people can find the breakthrough and not them. Are you with me this morning? Because that is so natural about where the heart of man is at. If we can just get ahead, you know, just in front of the next person. <laughs> and I'm talking about, I know you guys are blessed. You know, when you go to work, you stand out among the rest. You know, you are like saint. Uh, there's so many saints in this um, country. But, you know, you are like having a halo around you. And people just know that you're a Christian and you're doing awesome stuff. Is that not true? <laughs> Guys, we must get this thing. Because humankind, even though we are Christians, we must remind ourselves that being Christians brings an expectation and responsibility upon us to think differently about how we go about and doing business around us. In the workplace. In the place of, of expectation. In a place where we allow one another to actually start to and encourage one another to do good and to, uh, to see the, the breakthroughs of God um, happening um, in us. So don't exclude yourself from being um, you know, like the, uh, the Pharisees. You can easily say this morning, and, and it's as if when we hear Pharisees, you know, we always think, you know, yeah, it's them. <laughs> These were the religious people of the time. They were the, the outstanding people in society. They were the people known as being so dedicated to their faith that they, are, they will do anything. They do it to the letter. So, yes, you are also such an amazing person and you are doing so much to the letter, but I can tell you this morning, it's easy to miss out on what God is busy doing when Jesus walks around the pool and He's doing awesome things and you are missing out on His healing because you are not ready to receive you don't understand what he's busy doing. You actually don't have a clue. And I'm including myself here as well this morning. There's so many opportunities that I miss every day in what God wants to do in and through my life because I'm not focused. I'm not at a place where I can receive and, and fulfill God's plan in and through my life. And, um, and I, I want to tell you God wants to bring us to a place where we can uh, put that beside um, us and, um, and move in His power and in His strength and in His uh, fullness. So Romans 12, how do we not become offended? How do we, not, how do we actually safeguard ourselves um, to be at a place where we can see the flow and experience the flow of God and overflow and, and, and have that splash happening in our lives? Um, Verse 15, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep, live in harmony with one another, do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly, never be wise in your own sight, repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do, after, yeah, thought to, uh, to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all around you. Are you with me this morning? You know, the, I've uh, sent it out this week, but um, one of the things that was so precious to me in, um, in this uh, 20 day one, uh, one, 21 days of prayer and fast 
is that word again of, of um, sorry, I'm just preventing this to fall, um, is um, just that scripture in the last chapter of Job. When Job started to pray for his friends, God could start to bless him even twice as much as he had before. And so uh, I want to I wanna just challenge you as I'm challenging myself this morning. Are you praying for people around you? Because the first place that you can start with is to at least come to a place of, of asking God, you know, uh, where is that person at? What does he want to do in their lives rather than just in your, in your own life? Are we at a place where even at work we can um, say that we've prayed for the people that is working with us, for your neighbor, <laughs> that you've prayed for them and trust God for their breakthrough? Um, or do we even know our, <laughs> our neighbor? And, and again, I want to re-emphasize, I'm not saying this morning that God is calling you to everyone and every encounter that you have um, every day is going to be filled with you know, amazing divine opportunities. But I can tell you that the Holy Spirit is at work and is looking for people to overflow. He's looking for people to just put the little bit of the drop in his fullness so that the glass can start to overflow and fall on people's heads and change and transform their lives because of what he wants to do through us. I want to make it very clear this morning. God does not need you to fulfill his work. He's quite capable to perform everything that he wants to through whosoever is willing to do so. But what a blessing is it not that he has chosen to work through us to fulfill his mandate. To bring us to a place where we can partner with him and find the fulfillment of being um, part of his kingdom and finding contentment in what he's doing in and through our lives. Are you with me this morning? Let's stand. Now, um, I want to say to you, I'm not a saint. I, <laughs> at home, you know, I uh, need to repent more. Uh, in the mornings, I, um, I always make some tea for Milani because um, my wife is one of those uh, wives that um, does not um, get out of uh, <laughs> yeah, tea and, and uh, biscuits, <laughs> um, rusks. <laughs> um, you know, if you don't put a, a cup of tea and... Um, Rusks or biscuits or whatever in front of her, um, you don't you don't get her out of bed. It's just she claims that it's something physically that's changing when she gets that. Uh, I think it's probably just the uh, um, the fact that um, that <laughs> is that um, that I must do it because I'm a husband. <laughs> And you know what? Sometimes I think, you know, she's never bringing me tea in bed. 
I don't. I can't remember how many times in our lives have this this happened. <laughs> Are you giving now away my uh, sermon here? Larashus. <laughs> my my point to you this morning is: um, it's strange how our, our heads work when it comes to our self-righteousness in the kingdom and the way that we relate to one another. You know, I can just be a little bit better than the person next to me in church. You know, then I'm fine. I at least am not doing that wrong. Or well, I'm at least just not, in get, not getting that thing I'm wrong. And I want to say to you this morning, <laughs> hey, wake up. God wants to let your cup flow over. Not for your own sake. <laughs> you thought it was for your own sake. But I mean, even David, in all of his mighty exploits that he has done, you know, realized that he was only a servant to the, to the king. And I want to say to you this morning, it's beautiful how Peter is um, addressing this letter and saying, I'm a slave and apostle of Christ. Strange how these um, apostles, in the midst of seeing mighty exploits from God, first had to come to the understanding of what they were in Christ. People used for His benefit. So that He can show His love to the world. And, um, you know, I've, I'm challenging myself because I can tell you it's, um, I've, I've said to the Lord this week, I said, God, it's strange how you know, I've come into this mode with these estate agents as well. You know, I'm going to sort them out. They, uh, you know, I've got rights in this country. You know, in this country, they're not going to get away with it. You know? um, I've got um, you know, good backing. And uh, I'm missing the point. It's strange how I've you know, fallen in the trap of becoming so self-righteous that, um, you know, I just want to, uh, to look better for myself, for my own sake. <laughs> so I'm not excluding myself, but what I can tell you this morning, we are all entrenched by um, a society that does not give a thing, but just uh, for their own benefit. And, um, and we've created that society. <laughs> and nothing was different in the times of Jesus. Because Jesus was at a place in the midst of the Roman Empire where there was lots of agendas happening. And he says to them, stop this now. We don't cut off ears and we don't fight for agendas. We come with gentleness and love and we come with a kind of heart that um, will let the world stand astonished. Because why would they? And I want to say to you, strange how you look at um, older people. and you know, Some of them actually get so bitter in life. And they will tell you that, um, and it's got nothing to do with age. You can be young as well, but I think you get the point. 
they come to a stage where they say, I've done this, this, I've been there, I've tried to be this good person, but you know, people are just taking advantage of me and they're just running over me. And how pessimistic and hardened of heart we become. And Christ brings us back to the table. The place where you and I make a choice. Will I rather let my cup run over?